0: This is the Cherryleaf podcast. Welcome to the Cherryleaf podcast. This podcast is a few days late compared to our normal cycle. And partly it's because of the topic we're going to talk about today, which is PDFs and a project that we're doing at the moment. So we're currently working on a API Documentation Portal, and that involves taking existing content from an existing API Documentation Portal, which is in Word and PowerPoint and PDFs, and reorganising that information, editing it, and having it all in one consistent format, which is HTML. So part of what we've been doing is taking a number of PDF documents and bringing them into a Content management system so we can edit them and publish as HTML and if you've ever been involved in taking content from other formats and bringing it into a content management system to do that, you may well have experienced that doing it with Word and often doing it with PowerPoint is relatively straightforward to to do. It's fairly straightforward to to import but with PDFs it can be a problem. In particular, it can be a problem with tables in that the import process doesn't necessarily work very well. And what that means is you end up having to do a lot of copying and pasting from a PDF into your content management system, which seems very time consuming, very old fashioned. And even doing that, sometimes the spaces between words doesn't copy across correctly or the footer notes come in so it just takes a lot of time. So we've spent a good few days recently, maybe even a little longer than that, cursing PDFs and saying, why do people publish this stuff in PDFs today? Why can't it be in another format? And that was going to be the topic for this presentation about PDFs, and it was going to be orientated as why PDFs are so wrong and so bad, but we got to a stage within the project at the end of the week where we were sending out the first draft of the revised documentation portal. So we zipped up a collection of HTML files, sent that off to a client by email, and we wrote a report. We wrote a report in Word on what changes were made, some issues that we need to discuss, things that we deleted, things that needed to be resolved, content that's missing, and so on. Wrote the report in Word went print, save as PDF, and sent off the PDF. So we are in danger of complaining about all these people that are using PDFs and doing exactly the same ourselves. We use PDFs. So in this podcast episode, what I want to do is look at some of the downsides of PDFs, but some of the the positive aspects to them as well, because they do have a place within the world of business and within the world of technical documentation. So let's start with the problems that there are with PDFs. The fundamental problem really is is that they are documents and you are managing documents and they are documents that are set so that you have the look and feel set and controlled so it's predictable and you're managing files of documents around. If you want to take chunks or have reusable bits of information to do something with those PDFs, it's not really designed to do that. It's designed for consumption, designed for reading, rather than designed for necessarily editing or amending, although we'll we'll come to that a little bit later. And if you've got the free version of Acrobat, or if you're using some of the Acrobat readers that are available with Macintoshes and other machines in some of the browsers, you do have this issue of how do you get the content from those PDFs into another system. And it is often leading to copy and pasting. And another aspect, when somebody is given a piece of information, as well as reading it, and as well as repurposing, remixing, editing that content, another thing that they might want to do is comment on it. You want to have a document and give feedback, mark up, annotate different sections, say this is right, this is wrong, query certain sections. And within PDFs as default, you can individually add comments. But if you want to collaboratively work on a document, a team of different people doing that, then most people if they're using the free viewer and the free reader, would struggle to do that, that it's not something that's default to do that unless to do it as, as standard. And so you end up with comments from five or six different people on different versions of the PDFs, and then you have to go through them one by one as a person that's created the content and look at those reviewer comments. But we all use PDFs. We, as I said, create PDFs. So why is it still around after all these years and with these problems? And one of the reasons is very much the reasons for some of the disadvantages that it means that you can give a document to somebody and you know what they see is what you're sending out. That if it were a Word document and it was sent out, that there might be issues over page size or there might be issues over page breaks and fonts and the like. They might potentially edit the document and you be unaware that they've edited that document. So that's one aspect that it's designed in some ways to have a defined, predictable way of looking. Another reason is that it's a change of format. From being HTML, it's looking more like a printed document. And that change of format, that switching in the way in which something looks, is very useful if you're looking at a document to check for typos, for errors of some sort. Often if you're looking at a piece of content in a content management system, situations where you've got two thes, the, the in a sentence, or two full stops, they can be hard to spot. But when you switch it to a PDF, or if you print it out and then read it, then these things suddenly shine. They suddenly stand out as the things that you need to fix. So what about that report that we sent to the client. And we do the same with our sales proposals as well. We'll write a sales proposal in generally Markdown, convert it to PDF, and then send out the PDF to people. Why do we do that? Well, partly it's habit. We've done that for years and not really considered any better ways of doing it. But another reason for it is that it's easier for the recipient to manage, if we were to send that collection of files to the client for this project, for this API documentation project, and in the body of the email, document what changes have been made, well, the email would be very long. And also, if that person wanted to discuss that with somebody else, they may end up having to forward on a a whole long email thread to somebody else, If there is a series of emails going back and forth and discussing it, actually finding this information about what changes have been made can end up buried in an email thread, and it can be hard to manage. So by giving them an attachment, by giving them a file, it's easier for them to then save it, to copy it to a drive for other people to look at, for them to reference and to look at when they're reviewing it. So there are advantages or benefits from having an attachment that you send to somebody. But does that attachment have to be a PDF? Well, it could, in some ways, be a Google Docs or a Microsoft Word Docs, and with the world of the cloud now, and we see this more as a trend that's growing, you can, particularly in documents internally or documents where you're working collaboratively in creating the content, people writing in addition to you, you can use things like Google Docs and collaboratively work, and it's possible for you to be writing the top section and somebody simultaneously to be writing the bottom section. And with Office 365 and with Word and with Microsoft OneDrive, you can share a link to somebody and they can look at the document and add comments in Microsoft Word. There are free viewers of Microsoft Word that people can access today to do that. Well, the main downside of that compared to PDF is often for security reasons, because this information is in the cloud, to access that information, the recipient has to log in, has to get a security code or an SMS message to actually access that information. So there's an extra step, an extra hurdle to do that. And if they're not an existing Google user, in terms of the Google Docs suite, or if they're not got an existing Microsoft account, then it can involve them having to create an account and a password and all of that, and it can just add an extra barrier between them and that document. So PDFs in some ways are just simpler in, in sending out. And for those people that are working in a Ditter environment, then it's relatively straightforward within the suite of products that you can get within Ditter to generate a PDF and send that out. So it's quick, it's easy, it's the way that people have done it for years. Everyone can view Acrobat files, PDFs, and generally they've got the software to do that. Now some of you who are familiar with Acrobat and particular tools like Acrobat Pro and Adobe Document Crowd might be shouting at the speaker at the moment and saying, oh, but you can edit Acrobat files. You can get that content and convert it into Word documents or HTML. And that's true because often people's experience of Acrobat and PDF files is through the free viewer tools. Adobe sells a range of tools that enhance or extend the capabilities of Acrobat files that mean you can do more than just passively view a document in a predictable way. And I'm not sure everybody's aware of what those particular capabilities are. So let's go through some of those. So first off, if you want to collaboratively comment and share, it's possible to do that with a standard PDF and something called a Web WebDAV server, W-E-B-D-A-V. And you can publish and people can comment in that way without needing particular Adobe products to do that. And you can get a WebDAB server, pay for that service for about £10 a year. So it's relatively cheap if you want to p- comment in that way. And for certainly people that are writing content in Ditter and then wanting people to review the content that they're creating, it's a very cheap, efficient, effective way of getting comments from subject matter experts or clients in that way. But let's go back to the products that Adobe offers. And if you want to do things like save as Word or edit a document within the free viewer, you can look at one of the tabs within the product and there are links where you can pay just for those individual bits of functionality and pay an annual fee for doing those. Outside of that, Adobe sells Acrobat Pro and Acrobat DC, there's a subscription service which is about £14 a year, and there's also a standalone version you can purchase which is about £400 per user for doing extra capabilities. And if you ever see a presentation from some of the people from the technical Communication suite team at Adobe, they'll show you some of the things that you can do with Acrobat files. One that we really don't need, but can be useful if you're in an environment where perhaps you're talking about machinery or products, is you can incorporate rich media now into an Acrobat file. So that might be a video or a piece of audio, a three-dimensional model of a part and something that can expand and explode out into the different constituent parts. So if you wanted to have a PDF of a wheel or an engine or a piece of a car or a piece of an aeroplane and that the person would be able to rotate and look at that, you can do that within the Acrobat file. Probably the most common one that we see in terms as a consumer of PDFs is digital signatures where we are given contracts by customers and partners, not necessarily suppliers, but certainly customers and and partners, where there's a legal contract, might be a non-disclosure agreement or agreement of a contract to provide services. And at the bottom, we are asked to sign digitally that document to agree to the terms and conditions. And Adobe has this capability where you can digitally sign a document and it's recorded and agreed But in many ways the way in which I guess Adobe would like us to use Acrobat would be to take these documents that we're sending to somebody and then have an automated way of processing that information through an organisation to complete a task. In many ways what they're talking about is the idea of having forms or requests And that when it's passed to somebody, they can look at it and they can be within that file, an approval button and that automatically sends it on to somebody else to approve and then so on. So it becomes part of the workflow of the organisation. And it's also possible, particularly with forms, to enable people to have fields that they can complete and fill in, share, sign that PDF, forward on to somebody else. And you can convert existing forms to be fillable forms within the chargeable versions of of acrobat and if your business is arranged around that sort of idea of workflow of approvals of information if it's based around forms particularly if you're getting content from the members of the public then acrobat has its place it's not the way in which we work we're not really a forms driven type of business but if that's the type of thing that you do then I can see benefits from from using Acrobat in that way and Adobe also has the document cloud where you can have all this content in the cloud viewable you can see the latest documents that come in and again you can have some form of workflow probably the main benefit from a technical writing perspective of paying for that extra version of Acrobat is the ability to edit text and images directly into the pdf the ability to convert it into a Word document to do it the other way, and also to take different PDFs and to combine them to create portfolios and the like. If you work in an international environment where you're dealing with people that speak Hebrew or read Hebrew or Arabic, then Acrobat is good at dealing with that type of content. Now, 14 pounds roughly per user per month for a service to enable you to edit a PDF, or £400 per user per purchase of the shrink-to-act version of Acrobat, you might question that expenditure, particularly if you are within a technical communications world. You'd have to assess for yourself if you have that requirement, If you're receiving a lot of content from PDFs and needing to import it, then the time that you save from just copying and pasting over and over again, may well save that within a very short space of time. But one thing to remember is if you are using FrameMaker or if you're using RoboHelp and you have the Adobe Technical Communication Suite, then actually, as part of the products that you get with that bundle, you're getting Acrobat Pro. So you may already have tool that can do those things for you that you just might have forgotten or just never considered installing onto your machine. Another thing to consider is there are other tools, websites and services out there where you can take PDFs and convert them to other tools. We'll include in the show notes one where you can take a PDF and it'll convert it to Markdown. That's really all that's worth saying, I suppose, about PDFs and Acrobats at the moment. How do you use them? It's one of these things where people just fall into using them in a particular way. And it may well be that there's just aspects that our listeners and us are just not aware of in terms of the functionality and capabilities of of PDFs, the, the way that you use it, that others should be using it. So if you are doing other things with those type of files, It would be great if you could share that information with us and we can include it either on our blog or on another future podcast. And if you want to contact us, you can email us, info at cherryleaf.com or you can contact us on Twitter, CherryleafLTD on Twitter or me, Ellis Pratt on Twitter and it would be great to learn and share those ideas. So that's it for this episode of the Cherryleaf podcast. Thank you for listening. We've got a few more interviews scheduled for the future. Pencilled in, we've just got to sort out the dates. If you want to know more about Cherryleaf, we're at Charlie.com. Thank you.